Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Thank you for joining me. Today's guest is my very good friend, Julie. She is someone who inspires me on the regular. She's a colonel in the Army, which is amazing. (laughs) She's an outstanding soccer coach, awesome parent, and does it all with tons of energy and a positive attitude. I love Julie's story because she found her way through trial and error. It wasn't a straight path, but she stuck with it until she found what she really connected with. Great advice and counsel for everyone. Enjoy this episode. All right, so we're going to get started. Um, You and I know each other for a very long time. Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Our kids are friends. Um, You and your husband have coached our boys through pretty much, I don't know how many years. Six years, eight years? Like, it's been forever. When Luke was in first grade. Yeah, it's crazy. How old is he now? He's in 10th grade, so 10 minus 1, 9. Good. Look at you and your fast math. I know. It's so impressive. (laughs) Uh, Well, we've always been super impressed with um, your ability, you and your husband's ability to coach and to help um, our kids. And frankly, like our youngest has not had that experience. And Mm -hmm. so we've noticed a difference. And um, he's now on a team where I think he's going to actually have a great experience. But with a group of people that I think are like super motivating and, and and optimistic and positive, which you guys are both like, and I think it makes such a big difference. So maybe we'll just start there in terms of like your coaching life and how, yeah, and just like maybe athletics in your life, like how that they played a part. Um, so I, I grew up in a neighborhood of all boys and yeah. I played only sports. I never had dolls or Barbies, despite the fact that my mom was buying that stuff for me, which is sit or we would tear its head off and my brother and I would burn it or <laughs> something like that. But, um, so I always played sports and I really liked soccer, but there were no girls soccer leagues. This is in the seventies in right. Texas. So I had to play on the boys team and it was fine for the first couple seasons. But then as I got to be a preteen, the league was like, sorry, you know, you guys are developing. We can't yeah. handle having girls play with the boys at this age because your bodies are changing. So they had a uh, tryout for a travel team. And it was all, the entire city where I grew up, a small town in Texas, and we all had to try out. And we traveled. It was real travel. I mean, I had to go to two states over to play wow. teams of girls our age. So, um, And I made a lot of good friends. But I will tell you that it, it was a little bit different playing with girls than it was with boys because boys, it's – well, you have boys, you know, they, yeah. they fight, it's over. Girls, if you don't pass yeah. them the ball, they, they carry this grudge for, you know, even now, 50 years later, maybe they're still <laughs> mad at me because I didn't pass. But, it, and, you know, it, it just kind of bothered me. But um, when I moved from Texas to Florida when I was 13, that was a really hard thing. And so the first thing we did was join a, a soccer team, and I was able to meet people right away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the draw of sports, especially team sports. Um, you can meet people who have like interests right away, especially girls, because not every girl is a tomboy right. or into sports. Right. So it's kind of hard to meet those people just in school. So if you join a soccer team or whatever team, swim team, I did that too. And then it's easier to meet people. And you people. played tennis, right? I did. I played tennis. Well, we'll call it that. Yeah. <laughs> so when you went to 
uh, high school did you play what sports did you play in high school so in high school I played soccer and I was also in the marching band I <laughs> well I it was not musically inclined and I still am not to this day but I did the flag for a oh. year and then um, I oh, got I, like to have seen I then that. but no I I decided to step it up my senior year and I did the majorettes which is the baton oh, twirling thing yeah nice. and um, I can tell you that the trumpet section never liked being behind us because we had to throw it up in the air and turn around and catch it and I'd throw it up I'd turn around and I'd never knew where it was going to go and I'd find the trumpets dispersing I'm like oh, there's my baton so it was not very good but it was again a team thing a lot of my friends did it it was fun to do and you know we did competitions we performed at halftime so it was fun to do that um, but I didn't do I did tennis in junior high but I just didn't have time in high school to do soccer marching band and tennis right so. were you like because of growing up with your brother and playing sports with boys at first like because you're a fairly competitive person I think no, <laughs> maybe maybe a bit. So where does that come from? Like, have you always been like that? Yes. Do you feel like... Yes, and um, it's funny because my parents are both not like that at all. Um, and funny thing, my dad was once my soccer coach. Um, and he, it's not like today where you can just Google, like, how to coach yeah, a soccer team. Right. He, what is soccer? And he literally <laughs> went to the library and bought a book about soccer. And that's how he taught us soccer. It was probably not the most kosher way to learn. But um, I give him credit for trying, but it was not a good foundation for me. So were there not really sports in your, like, growing up? Like, was no, there, there were. Did your mom play sports? Well, no, my or? mom My mom is... she claims that she plays tennis she stands on a court with a racket and swings at a ball but uh athletic no she's not athletic at all but again she grew up back in the when women didn't play sports at all sure. were, she was discouraged from playing sports so right. um and she kind of wasn't thrilled about me doing it but I mean I was very headstrong I'm like I don't like playing dolls or wearing dresses I would never wear dresses so right. I just it got in the way of running right you know right so um and I then just, did your dad play any sports? Or? My dad played tennis, again, not as athletic. And I think he played football in college, but I don't, you know, like the, yeah. the intramural, but I don't recall him being big into sports. Yeah. So It's no. interesting because, I, I mean, I know you well, but I also think just in times that we've talked, like, and maybe this as we talk more about your journey, I feel like the fact that you kind of had your interest, you know what you like doing, and you pursued it, like, regardless of your environment. I think a lot of people are influenced by their environment, and they choose, make choices because right. of either what people, their parents, think they should do or tell them to do, or, right? But it seems to me like you are someone who um, isn't as influenced, or you have an interest or a goal, and you pursue it. Well, I think also I was very high energy as a kid, um, uh, maybe hyperactive. So my mom did encourage me up swim team every yeah. summer. She would take us and drop us off at the pool in the morning to try to, quote unquote, get us tired. Right. We had to do swim team, but then I'd still be not tired. So <laughs> uh, I, I just really liked being outside. Uh, yeah. And in Texas, the weather's always good. Yeah. And we didn't really have a lot of rain. So I was always outside with the boys. And, you know, we would play. We would we didn't have electronics like we do today so right. we had to make up games and our parents literally didn't want us in the house so i can remember um we would take garbage can lids collect fruit and ride our bikes around throwing fruit at each other and using the garbage can lids as shields i mean that was probably the most i still remember Sounds that it was like a great it was awesome time, but i would come home smelling like rotten apricots yeah. or you know my mom's like what are you doing i'm like well, we're playing war you know i mean that's just what you did it wasn't war per se i mean we got a little uh, aggressive towards the end before we moved. They, some of the kids were using bottle rockets to shoot at each other. I mean, these are the things that we did as kids, yeah. but so dangerous now. And so don't do that. But, um, <laughs> but, but it was just that was what you did. 
you know, everybody in the neighborhood did it, so I did it. What prompted the move from Dallas to Florida? Well, it was El Paso, uh, Texas. Oh. Uh, my dad's job. Um, he was in banking, and he moved into Miami to international banking. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of international stuff going on in El Paso. Right. Mexico was right there, Juarez. And in fact, we played soccer against some women Ooh. in Juarez. It was kind of fun. Um, and I learned a lot of new words, but <laughs> we didn't play them very often. But no, so we moved um, right before I started eighth grade, and it was because of his job. That's a hard time. It was the worst time. And that's why I will tell you this, that ha- having been in the Army and knowing that you had to move around, that is the number one reason I got out of the Army. Active duty mm. was so that if I had kids, I didn't want them to move. That was probably the biggest influence on my life, negative, was that move. Because I had known these people since birth, basically. Right. Well, I was born in Chicago, but we lived there maybe eight months. And right. moved to Texas. So I'd known all these people for all this time. And then to be uprooted like that during those middle school years yes. was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. I, I showed up the first day of school thinking I was dressed really cool. I had OP stuff on Ocean Pacific because sure. that's what we wore out in Texas. And people were looking at me like, oh, my uh, God, like, what are you wearing? <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, well, so and I didn't make a lot of quick friends at school. So that's what the soccer team was there for. And that was it. So you started eighth grade in Florida. So you had seventh grade in Texas. I and did. Then, yeah, that's really hard. That was hard. One of the things that comes up on this podcast a lot, we talk about middle school and high school and some of those challenges, but it's interesting that seems to be a theme is that middle school for a lot of people is really hard. So then coupled that with the fact that you had to move and be in a new place. Well, and, and the thing is the neighborhood we moved to, there were no children at all. There were no kids. Oh. It was, you know, it, it's a huge a community, but there were there were no kids, at least my age, at least yeah. none that were out in the street. And I was like a, walking around looking for kids, riding the bike, just nothing. So, and again, that that's that hard age where you go back, you go from being a kid to trying to be an adult. Yeah. So it wasn't like, hey, do you want to go out and play? You don't say that. You know, I'm in eighth grade. Hey, can Joey come play? Right. You know, they probably look at you like, hmm, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Who do you want to play? Yeah. <laughs> just want to ride bikes. Yeah. But uh, so that was hard. And I just, the school was different. It was harder. Um, the schools in Texas were, I, I had straight A's and then we moved and my mom put me in algebra in eighth grade and I didn't, they're like, find X. I'm like, I don't know, what's X? Mm. I mean, so I struggled a lot in math. That's why 10 minus one, I got to nine. Yeah, that, that was good. good. That was good. It's a real good moment. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I got behind in school and I was frustrated with that and then not making friends in school. It was, it was hard. So, and then, um, then you start high school. Did you do you remember at that time? Was there anything that helped you, or that helped you get through it, or was it just the fact that it ended and you got to start? I was a new just happy year? that it was over. Yeah. Um, but playing sports, really, I would look forward That's to like soccer. I was like, I don't care if we have to run. I mean, my n- nickname was "Take a Lap." It was on the back of my shirt because <laughs> if you talked when the coach was talking, I'd take a lap. Uh, just ask your son; he might know. And yeah. that was my nickname because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I just was so happy to be with people, and I because I had, all day long I was quiet. I didn't talk. You didn't I didn't have anybody, so I was at practice. I'm like ah, blah, 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 blah. and then Dorn, take a lap, you know, or Julie, take a lap. So, did you feel like at? And I know it's kind of generation at the time, but like, did you feel at that time? when you were it was tough and it was hard could you talk to your parents about it no, your family not, it not that kind no, of no well, and, and it, it maybe if i like i think my kids now probably would but i didn't have that relationship with my parents it was right it was very awkward and, and again my parents probably should have never gotten married but um, they ended up getting divorced i think after 40 years of marriage so which we were like really? <gasps> yes 
Wow. Yeah, I had already had it. it was that long. Oh, yeah. So they... 40? Yeah, so when you live with someone... Probably, Man, at 40, I think you're just in it for the rest. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, I will say, I think there was a catastrophic event. It, Hurricane Andrew blew through right. my neighborhood and destroyed our house. So And then they had to deal with that. And, of course, I was away in school, so I, I didn't really have to deal with that. But I, was, I didn't realize how dysfunctional my family life was until I went away to school to where... Uh, for like Thanksgiving, I was in. I, it was too far to come back home, so I would go with fam- friends and stay with their family. I'm like, God, oh, you guys all like like each other. You get along. Oh. There's no yelling. I'm like, this is normal. So I didn't. You know, if you don't see what the other side has, you don't know that you're not. Right. So yeah, I just. I mean, not that they were bad people. They just. They probably should. They were not compatible. Right. So did it feel kind of like you were just on your own? Like, yes. were you close to your brother? No, or like, not really. Not really. No. So you were kind of on because your own. my parents were always. I think putting us against each other, like, oh, well, he scored three goals today, you know, in, uh, or he got an A, what, you know. So, like, very competitive. And I don't know if it was, like, they were trying to encourage us to be competitive, but we became very, I mean, we used to fight, like, I mean. Like, what's your age difference? So three years. I'm three years older. Okay. And I, we, I used to, I, of course, took advantage of being older, and I could beat the crap out of him. Right. But then he got bigger, and then it wasn't fun anymore, so. Are you closer now? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've matured and yeah. we've really, we, having gone through the, you know, our parents getting separated and everything, it, you know, it brought us closer. Like, How old were you when that happened? Well, I was 38. Oh, so it was like much later. Oh, yeah. I was, I was an adult. I mean, wow. I'm 27 now, but no, I'm kidding. So not so traumatic at 38. <laughs> no, no. Like it was, it was life. actually what's funny looking back on it now, it was almost like a relief. Because just going to visit them, it was miserable. Like now, right. of course, now logistics-wise, it's di- more difficult because right. you got w- one additional f- family to figure out who are we going to for the holidays. So we just we just stay here. Yeah, and people can come if they, they want. Come to you. So then, let's talk about high school. So you start high school. It's kind of a fresh start, clean slate. Just generally, how was your high school experience? So high school in Florida is 10th, 11th, and 12th grade because they okay. have this oh, junior high model where it's 7th through 9th. So okay. I had to do two years of junior high. So oh. it was like middle school times 10. It was horrible. So so you had two years two of years hard of, yeah. knocks, so <laughs> to speak. Not. Well, ninth, by 9th grade, I was sort of like, I just don't care anymore what these people think. So right. um, so 10th grade, we start high school, and that's when I did the, the marching band thing. That was a really good way to meet people. And then, of course, I played soccer. And by then... I saw, you know, people started to mature a little bit more, right. as you see, the, the the harshness of the cliques and the, right. oh my gosh, did she really wear that to school today, kind of started to fade, so, um, but I always felt that, you know, because a lot of those kids had grown up with each other, and I always felt like an outsider, like, mm. I'm, I'm friends with you, but I don't have the history that you have with this person, so you may not trust me as much or something, so, and I still always miss my friends in Texas. Right. So, you know, but yeah, high school was a lot easier. Did you, um, and you had mentioned like, so academically, how, how did you fare academically in So high in high school, school I started off, uh, I did really well, uh, much better. I mean, I, I didn't really have to try very hard. It kind of came a little easier to me, yeah. but I, I bet I could have done a lot better if I had tried harder. And I know that because once I finally went to law school, you know, even in college, it kind of was pretty easy, but law school, I really had to apply myself and I graduated with honors. I'd never been honored anything. I mean, I was, you know, a, a student or be a B student, but you know, to graduate with honors from high school or from law school was to me a, a big accomplishment, but I, because I put in the time and the effort and that is what I learned, you know, going away, living away, far away, um, that it's all up to you. I mean, if you want to put in the effort, you'll get the results. Now, some people maybe not be, they may not agree with that. They're like, well, some people are just not acclimated to learn. Mm-hmm. But but if you put it, if you really do work hard, hard work beats 
talent any day that talent doesn't work hard. So right. uh, I'm a strong believer in that. And that's why I get really mad at my kids because I know that they have the ability. And when they become lazy, yeah. then it just, I'm like, you are wasting your talent. So let me ask this question about the high school you because I feel like given your like home situation and that you did feel like you were sort of on your own what was it that motivated you to do well? Because you could have gone to, two ways, right? Uh, yeah, like you could have just given you up. You could have gone. I wanted the other to. Way. I wanted to get out and get, out. get a job, and you know, have. A, I wanted to go to college because that's what they had told us. Right. And I've always, I had always wanted to be an orthodontist, only because I think I was in braces during this oh. whole middle school time. Just so you know, I got yes. braces in Texas, and then we moved. I still had the braces, and I had braces all the way up until ninth grade. So I had almost four years of braces. So I got to know my orthodontist really well. And I thought, and you know, they always drove really nice cars yeah. and they seemed to be very well. I'm like, this is, how hard is this? The guy, you know, tighten yeah. some screws, put some wires in your mouth. You're good. So that I always wanted to be an orthodontist. So I kind of was on that track. I wanted to go to what, I guess it would have been dental school. Right. But then I learned that math and science were not correct. really my strong point. So again, the path changes, but that was my motivation. I wanted to have... A career and, yeah. and you know be on my own so not have to rely on other people did you um, when you were in high school and started thinking about colleges did you have any help I'm guessing based on no your... my mom did not go to college and my dad had a very interesting college career I think he had to he was kicked out of a college maybe I'm not sure there it, again I don't get the full story I'm right. not really sure so his academic career was not something like a, a normal like it went for four years you got your degree moved on he has some interesting background on that and my mom of course did not go to college so she's like just go you know it'll be fun she, she's always looking at the fun aspect of right it. and it was but <laughs> that's not why you go to college so in terms of where you picked or how you picked and all that like so that that's where it got funny because I started applying for schools in Texas because wanted I wanted to go, to go back. back and be with my friends and I didn't realize until I started really looking into it the difference between and I was applying to state schools like University of Texas right I actually applied to Rice too I did want to go yeah. to Rice I'd always liked Houston um but I didn't realize there was out-of-state fees versus in-state fees so when I saw the difference I'm like oh my goodness so I actually also applied to school in Arizona University of Arizona and mm -hmm. I got in and one of my friends from Texas that grown up has she had gotten in as well and I thought but I didn't know that at the time because we had kind of lost touch but I really wanted to go to University of Arizona and my parents were like yeah no we're not paying for that that's a state uh, school you got into the two state schools here at Florida UF and Florida State you're going to one of those unless you want to pay for that and it was as you probably can imagine there's a huge yeah. difference between in-state yeah. and out-of-state and I thought okay well then you know what I could probably go there for grad school so I, I was looking beyond, all right, fine, I'll do my four years in Florida, I'll punch my ticket, and then grad school, I'll go somewhere else. So that's why I ended up at a state school. And so for you, it just sounds like in terms of that period, in terms of high school, any other, like any other challenges? Because it seems like you were pretty motivated, you do well in school, you had the goal of going to college, you kind of knew you had to make a choice there, but then relatively seamless to get into college. And it was not college. so seamless. No, I did not do very well on the SATs. Um, ah. My math is, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm just not smart in math. I'm with you. Or either don't, that or I wasn't taught You're not properly. <laughs> so I didn't do very well and um, I was really concerned about that. So that's why I applied to early admission uh, and to summer school. That's mm. one easy way to get into the state school. So I ended up have it's six days after I graduated from high school. I started college. I did the summer program oh. so I could go to the school, and that's how I got in. Right. 
Wow. So, yeah, but which was fine by me because I'm like, cool, six days later, I'm, I'm done. Bye. Right. See ya. So <laughs> My friends were two there. Two things. <laughs> when you get to go to college yeah. and you get to leave. Right. Right. Exactly. So when you got to school then, were you like liberated? Oh, was it like a not whole... so much liberated, but I felt like, okay, I'm on my own. Right. Let's see how I can do it. But I was still a little concerned about, do I know what I'm doing here? Because there were times, I mean, it was a huge campus. Yeah. And I'd be, I, I didn't want to ask because they always tell you, oh, freshmen, don't ask for directions or they'll send you. Right. They didn't, we didn't have Google Maps back right. then. We had the right. paper. It's a big school, right? It was huge. Do we want to say it? No, we don't. We, it's all right. The, Flor- the Florida Gators, the number one <laughs> football team in the world. But who's who's counting? So it yeah. is huge. And so I'm so glad I went that summer, though, because honestly, it was mostly freshmen on campus. Right. And we all stumbled around trying to find our way. And I, and then I started having – it was a great – because we're all new, so there was no class system at the time. Right. And I felt a lot more comfortable socially, so I had a lot more fun in college. Kind of found your niche. So to speak. Yeah, I did. I, I thought it was a lot more fun. I think everybody was on equal ground. Right. One question I had, just because you played sports in high school, like, did was that a thought for you in terms of going to school and, like, because you love sports and, you know. No, you know, no one ever said anything to me. Like, oh, oh hey, you should try out wow. or you should apply for a, you know, because they didn't really have a lot of, Title IX was still kind of growing. Yeah. And we, in fact, didn't have an NCAA soccer team until I think three or four years after I graduated. Okay. So, but had I known, I mean, there were so many opportunities that I wish I knew about. Like, I would have probably been interested in going to one of the military academies because right. they look for female athletes. And, you know, what a great opportunity to do. And, of course, it would be a scholarship because every right. kid is there. But right. no one ever said anything to me about that. And no one ever, not one coach or anybody just said, hey, you should think about it. Because back then they were, because of Title IX, they were starting all these women's team sports and they needed... People, I think they were just grabbing people just right. so they could have a team. Right. Had I known that, you know, I would have probably, I could have probably gone and played in Texas or right. something and not had to worry about the out-of-state. I feel like that's such an important thing because hopefully, um, I've talked about this a lot, but that people that listen to this, you know, is mostly probably parents and friends, but also like if they have a, you know, a student that's thinking about college and thinking about other options, like you know, the military academies, and there's just a lot of options. Well, there's ROTC. Outs. I didn't know about that. Right. Either. I probably would have done that. Right. You know, I, nobody told me. And here's the thing. I see that the pendulum has swung too far, I think, to this side because now I think kids are over-informed uh, yeah. and they're saturated with all their op- options that they can't make a decision. <laughs> Whereas I didn't have anything because like, there was no yeah. Google. There, I, I went, I remember going to my student counselor at in the high school and I still remember she had a pink blouse on and she said well you should (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny what we remember I know I'm like what she goes you well you should think about community college and I'm like what What? because back then that was like you know taboo like right he was so dumb he had to go to community college and I thought I'm like you don't even know me you know you didn't ask me one question about what my interests are what my passions are what am I good at because that's I always talk to people like what are you good at because that way instead of saying what are your strengths if you say what are you good at what do you think you're good at because then they'll tell you and that's them telling you what their strengths are or what do you like to do right you may not be good at it but what do you like to do and then that's a passion instead of saying what are your passions I'm like so when did you start thinking maybe I'm jumping ahead because you started thinking about military later, right? Like, right. So, so I went to college with the um, intent for like six days that I was going to be an orthodontist. Right. And then yes. I, I was in uh, the summer school biochemistry and realized that this was not for me. So I switched to music appreciation, which was oh. a lot easier because you had to take yeah. a, a humanity. And that was the only class they'd let me switch into. So I, I had to reevaluate my 
my future. Right. And I was like, well, I got it. So I started looking back then they had books, right. what the classes were and what was required for the degree. And I found in the journalism and communication school that the advertising de- degree did not require but the two basic maths, mm-hmm. statistics and like, I, we called it fun, fun for mentals, right. but it was fundamentals of math. It was me and all the athletes. Right. And then rocks for jocks, which right. is geology, the yes. sciences. So I did that. Uh, and I, I started getting into the advertising, but not the creative part. I was not creative. I still am not. I can't draw. I can't. It was the media planning. Like, uh, you give me, here's your budget. What types of media outlets can you use? Like print, uh, radio, the TV, time. the yeah. time. And how much is that going to cost? You know, the, the rule of three. It takes three times before someone will hear it. Well, you need to run three radio ads, 30 seconds each during drive time. How much is that? So that was the kind of ah. advertising area. That, and so I figured at that point I was going to be an advertising exec in Chicago. Right? Cause Love that's, it. Because that's what orthodontists... Who don't do well in that? Go do. Of course. Go be advertisers. So, my senior year, I took, you had to take media law. It was required. I, I was like, this is the greatest class ever. I mean, I, I was like, oh, it's over? Like, oh, I want to stay. I mean, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Just so fascinating to me. And so, uh, let's see, it was like October of my senior year, and I got mono. So I was like, I had to, I was kind of bedridden for a little bit and which was really shocking to me. Apparently you have to sleep in order to stay because I was having so much, I'm like, it's my last year. (laughs) I'm never going to sleep. So, uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, laying in bed and I decided to sign up for the, the LSAT. And I didn't just because you've been in that I've one been in class. that one class and it was any I didn't even get my grade yet this was October so I signed up and I took it in December and I, I was just starting to feel better from mono um, and I don't think I did very well I did I did okay I was never gonna take it again I was like I'm just gonna take it once and then um, I applied to a law school and I actually applied to the University of Alabama because my brother was there at the time and I thought god I could never go there but you know what <laughs> maybe if my parents agree to like buy us or rent us at a condo that we'd share like right. I was trying to think about how to do this how to pay for it um, and then I got a, because I took the LSAT and I put like my name and everything I got a letter from a school in Indiana that my dad had gone to undergrad there for, and then oh. I guess my grandfather had received an honorary degree from, and I thought, where is this? Guess where it was? It was right outside of Chicago. Oh. So I was like, oh, bingo. So I applied to it, and they're like, hey, you're in, and you get a legacy scholarship. It was very small. You know, it was like, you know, pay for your toilet paper for the year or something. But I was like, well, I'm going to go. And my dad was excited, so we went and we visited. And I like, it was a very small school. Right. So coming from a huge high school, right. a even huge, bigger um, undergrad, and then going to a very small school. It was very personalized. Like, they all knew my name, and they knew. I was like, oh, there's only 50 kids in my particular section. I'm like, wow. We had lockers. I mean, yeah. I haven't had lockers since, you know, like, junior high. So I, I was like, well, this is what I want to do. And I figured it's right near Chicago where I'm going to be a media exec right. with my law degree and do all my advertising, right? So that's what I'm going to do. So that's why I went there. So then did you, for the LSAT, like, do you have to take that to get into law school? Yes, you do. It's, and then it's did the, you do well on that? No, not very well. I did average. Did oh. Because did I, did, I didn't study for right. it. It's like a logic test. Apparently okay. I'm not logical and I'm not mathematically inclined. So the thing that I think is really cool about this part of your story is that a lot of people feel like they need to know what they want to be and what they're going to do. Right? And, and I and, used to be and, like that. And in fact, I'm a planner. You yeah. know that. You know that. Yes. <laughs> like You're, I've already planned yes. like my whole, but that time in my life, I, I really wasn't a planner. I wasn't a planner until I got to law school. And I started to, like, I think at that point you've matured. And I realized, like, okay, I, I took out the loans. I was paying for law school. Uh-huh. Not My parents were not. They did right. not help me. I did law school loans. And Brian will tell you because he helped pay them back. But 
Um, <laughs> so I decided to like make it my own, and that's why I embraced it. That's why I studied harder. That I'm right. like, it, I think maybe if kids realize that you have to pay for the school, maybe they would try harder. But it's also the connection of something you like to do. So True. I think that's like also, I really loved reading the. It lot. took yeah. until what I think is really interesting. It took until your senior year in college to really connect to something. Right. And so sometimes you have to go through. Like, for kids that don't like school or are, like, worried about because they don't know what they want to do, it's like, what's no, the and in fact, how, yeah, and sometimes I, you that's just have why to go I, through it. Exactly. Right? I don't think, and I, I don't like the, the the things now that colleges are requiring kids to go, like, for example, nursing. They make you go get into the school right as a freshman. I had friends that decided to be nurses when they were juniors, and that was a lot right. easier. You, you don't know what you want to do when you're 18. And I mean, if you do, God bless you. And then right. there are people that do, but I will tell you this. I know we're getting away from the liberal arts, but I do think that that is an option for kids. And I love the, liberal arts. <laughs> the problem is, is that college is so expensive, and it's gotten out of control. And so a liberal arts degree, parents are not willing yeah. as much to pay for that because what is it going to get you? you know, or humanities or something right. like that, you know. So unfortunately, because that's the time for kids to grow. Because even in law school, I, I told you I was going to be this big advertising right. exec in Chicago. And I had to do an externship my second year. And I did it at the at the local prosecutor's office. And because I had been a second year in Indiana, you are able to do some bench trials. And I was like, oh, God, criminal law. I just had no desire. I was like, Phew. but I'll tell you what. <laughs> the yeah. satisfaction of helping a victim and actually putting away the bad guy. Yeah. Or the, I think the thing that really lynched me was this guy was so innocent. I was like, oh my gosh, you have no evidence. And, and the judge found him not guilty. And the prosecutor was like, eh, well, you win some, you lose some. I'm like, no, I think we won. I mean, this guy should never have been charged. So not that I'm, you know, I, I'm more prosecutorial minded. But, right. But to see justice work, I'm like, okay, well, okay, now I want to do this. You know how I changed. So no more yeah. advertising. So I started to take all the criminal justice classes. And that summer, uh, I applied for a bunch of internships, and there was one with the Army JAG Corps. And I thought, well, that'll be fun, you know. Why not? Sure. So I did it, and they put me in the prosecutor's office, and I had the best time. And, and you could do that as a civilian? Yes, as a civilian. You... And that's how they do that. Uh, they have uh, law students come and spend oh, the summer in a JAG office and see, you know, is this something that you would be interested in doing? Because it's not like where you would go to a law firm and like let's say six weeks later you're like yeah i'm just this isn't working out uh, because right. if you join the army you're you've signed on a, you're you're yeah. in the army <laughs> you don't right. just walk away and say yes yeah, I, I just it's not working out right so um so that's what it was and i'm glad i did that because that was when i was like oh well the, and also the job market was not so good back in the horrible. 90s so Holy. i was like well gosh this is a guaranteed job i mean because i had friends that went to law firms and then a year later they were let go so they have these big loans right. and no job. Now, they were making more money than me because I was in the Army, but I still had a job. So. so it's so interesting. So you have that experience, and then once you have that internship, are you thinking, like, did you connect with that environment? Like, yes. Was it, like, what I realized, it, it wasn't a job. It was a lifestyle. And I said, that's what I want. I don't want like a job. Felt- I want a lifestyle. Because if you think about it, it's it, in a job, you show up 9 to 5, you do your work, right, you go home. Right. In the Army, we had physical fitness together there was a lot of um you know, group activities that you do yeah. uh, just because you, the our job in the army is to fight and win the wars and protect the country right so these people are willing to give their lives you know that's their job right so it's not a job it's a lifestyle and i think that's what attracted me to it i'm like wow these i, I and also the people 
I've never, you know, anyone who's willing to raise their arm, or raise their yeah. hand and, and swear allegiance and say, I will take a bullet for, you know, to protect yes. this country, then, you know, you, they got that, that was like a spark yeah patriotism so it's so you're with these these people that that uh that are very passionate about it so it's a lifestyle well and i think too for you it's so interesting if you look at your journey in terms of sort of feeling like as an outsider or not finding that group or finding connectedness and then as you're yes. like evolving right then you find this place where it's like yes the not only like maybe your missions align but like oh my god this is a place where i fit in this is a place right where it feels i did like i me. felt very fit in that was the thing that i never so i've never cool. felt like awkward yeah. yeah, I mean, I always yeah. like your people. Like, yeah, like everyone finds them. my peeps. <laughs> your tribe, right? My they, tribe, my yeah. tribe. Well, and also they were like, "Oh, and we do physical training three mornings a week." I'm like, "Yes, I'm getting paid to work out." Are you kidding yes. me? I'm like, "Yes, find so me." So, did up. you have any? Uh, this is something I've always been like. I don't know if I've asked you this or not. Maybe when we've had some drinks, but I don't remember. But <laughs> don't drink. Were you? Ever, no, never. Um, what? Like, did you ever any fear joining? Like, is you know it what? Ever, I did not because when, when I joined, about, like, it was the peacetime army. Yeah. Okay. So it was not, there was never any, and and I'll be honest with you, the entire five years that I was on active duty, there was, I mean, we had some friends that went to Bosnia and that was our big thing. And then we had a little show of force in Kuwait to, you know, but this was after the the Gulf War and before 9-11. So that was the peacetime war. That was the best part of the army. And so uh, I got off of active duty and I went into the inactive reserves, which I didn't have to do anything. I was, I was just planning to let, you know, just to get off and, you know, kind of right off into the sunset. You owed eight years and I'd served five, so I could do three inactive. And then 9-11 happened and I was like, oh, heck no. You right. know, I get, where's my uniform? Let's go. I was ready to get on a plane. And I mean, I was, you know, I, so I got back into the active reserves and I wanted to, you know, how can I contribute to our mission? Right. And, and I've just sort of thought I would do it for a three or a four until we got rid of the bad guys, but I'm still here. So, <laughs> so amazing. So let me ask this, and this is more just tactically. So when you're, you law school's two years. Three. It's three, three years. years. Mm-hmm. You graduate with your law degree <laughs> and now you have a job with the army as a lawyer, correct? Correct. Or so ha- what it is, is you apply for an accession. You have to reply, apply for a commission. Uh, and because I did not do ROTC or I did not go to officer candidate school, I received what's called a direct commission into okay. the army as an officer. And then you, uh, it takes a while. You have to do medical. They have to check to make sure that you're not, you know, you have right. to qualify. You can't just show right. up and say, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> so it took about six months. So I took the bar exam that summer and then I had about six months before I had to report. And so a friend of mine was living in North Carolina working for this music company. And she's like, hey, we need a, <laughs> we need a receptionist. And I'm like, oh, we need an advertising exec. <laughs> so no, so I served as a receptionist at this music company in Raleigh, North Carolina for about six months. And I, you know, I dealt with all kinds of people and they just, I learned a lot about people because here I am a receptionist. They don't know anything about me. They don't realize that I have a college degree and a law degree, right. and I'm about to join the army. And they would treat me. Some you could tell a lot about. I, I honestly feel like if you want to learn a true about a person, their true identity, see how they treat a receptionist yeah. or if, a server, right? Or There's server, like yes, certain exactly. Well, I, yeah. I served. A, I worked in a restaurant too, so I know that. But that I really it dawned on me because there were yeah. some people that. And, and here I am, I'm, you know, I worked right outside the door of the president of the company. And if they wanted to see the guy, like, I'm your gatekeeper, right. be nice to me, don't be a jerk, because they would come in. And if they were, and I will tell you that the people who worked for like FedEx, UPS, the I saw them every day. Right. And those people, you know, they're good down to earth. They had yeah. no idea. Like, they're like, hey, you want to go out for drinks? Right. And, and I'm like, well, I didn't really want to get too involved with right. the, the, the FedEx guys. Right. Because UPS guys would get mad. But 
I just I, I just saw how some people would come and they would treat me so negatively. And and the other thing is I got really bored just answering phones, writing letters. Right. So I started I went to the finance people. I know I'm not good with numbers, but they were always needing help. So I started doing data analysis on spreadsheets. So I got to learn how to use Excel. So that's one thing you know. I always tell my kids like, hey, that might be your job, but that doesn't mean that that's your job description. Like you can always expand yeah. other duties as a sign is what we call them. Go out and try and don't just sit there, you know, yes. go out and find what else can you do? Like, don't be idle. I have a nephew who um, is in recruiting and at his company right now, I think they're slowing down and, you know, they're reorganizing as it often happens in recruiting and talent acquisition. And my counsel to him is there's so many other groups that need help. So if you have downtime, be assertive, be proactive, go fix, because one also just because it's the right thing to do. But second, it opens you up and you start to see what other groups are doing, what other, because he's still early in his career. So it's this opportunity to like dip your toe in and see what's going on, but you're not committing yet. You're being helpful. You know, nothing bad comes from. And you always, you always might meet somebody. Yeah, you never know. Might be somebody that needs, you know, I think connections, I've learned a lot over the many years that I've been an adult, but I know that it's not a lot of what you know, it's a lot of who you know, know. and it's sad because there are some people who just don't know much, but because of who they know and who they are, yes, and it is frustrating for those who work hard, and I used to be against that. I'm like, no, I'm going to do this all on my own, but after, you know, now, I mean, I'm in a position where I'm the person now who can help people. I always am uh, one to be like, hey, listen, I know somebody who might help you. Like, make a connection and, yeah. and help. Because we're all in this together. So it's, it's you know. So then, in terms of actually just starting, because I'm fascinated by this, like the beginning in the middle. Like, what is the, did you have to go through, like, boot camp? What do you have to go through that's, <laughs> well, now like, the equivalent? It's, uh, yeah, so it's called OBC, Officer Basic Course. And okay. it, it basically was two weeks at a... Uh, installation in Virginia. Here's your gun. Here's, you know, not not not. Here's your gun, but here's here's what it looks like. You, right. You will not be touching it, maybe. But um, and then just here, here's your uniform. Um, okay, let's go over some marching stuff and little land navigation. And then they sent you to the basic course uh, at a at a law school where it's taught um, the basics of military. Uh, the military law is a little bit different. Ah. And then and that was like I don't know, maybe six weeks. No, like physically no, demanding. No, not at all. They like all you, they do it now because obviously they've realized like two weeks of we called it salute school, mm-hmm. really, because we're we're attorneys, right? You know, and so, but they forget, you know, it, it's soldier lawyer. You're soldier always first. Soldier first, lawyer always. Yeah. So, so you have to learn those basic soldiering skills. So, and then I went to <laughs> funny thing. My first assignment was in Texas, oh. but I did not put that on my list. I was like, oh, it's worldwide assignment. I'm like, yes, yeah. I want to go to Hawaii or right. you know, Korea or Germany, but, um, and they sent me to Texas. <laughs> so I was like, well, all right, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> so, which was great. And then, but of course in the basic course, I was assigned my husband. I kid you, yes. but no, he, he and I met in the basic course. So. I know. I love that. Yeah. That's so, awesome. I didn't have to change my monogram because he sat next to me. D, two Ds. <laughs> two Ds. Um, all right, so then you do, you, so you're in for five years. I did five years duty. of active duty, yes. And he's also active duty. Correct. And so are you in different places? No, we were both in uh, Texas together. And for that whole time? No, no. Uh, oh. Three years in Texas and then three years in Maryland. Okay. And then you get out and then you go into the reserves, which mm-hmm. you're still doing mm-hmm. now, right? That's correct. And then you recently got promoted. I did. Which is very exciting. Shh. Am I allowed to say? Yeah. To what? Yeah, you can. Okay. 
because she's a colonel, which I think is so cool. <laughs> so then how does that work? Like, how, what's the evolution of, like, because I understand the professional corporate world a lot better than I do the military space. So how does that right. happen, right, so, in terms of, it may be active no. or in, yeah. <laughs> Is uh, it? it is. So it's a little bit different in the reserves, but for the most part, there are certain schools that call them PME, professional military mm-hmm. education, that you need to kind of like gates that you have to go through. Right. You've got to complete them. And, um, you know, there's a, we did the basic course, then there's yeah. an advanced course, and then there's what they call intermediate level education. And then there's the... And this is all in your lane of expertise, right? No, this so, is all the general, like oh, army. Yeah. Okay. So exactly. it's not specific to law or... No. Oh, okay. No, the advanced course is, but not the intermediate level education. Every okay. every officer at that rank has to has to complete it, and then there's the the senior service college, which is a master's degree. Okay. And so then once you get to that point, then you're eligible to be selected for a certain rank. So let me ask this question, and just in terms of being a female in the military, right during you know I get that time. question all the time, yeah. and I I think honestly that because of how I grew up as the only girl on yeah. my on my block. I've never had a problem because, and the other thing is, um, I'm not a wallflower. Right. I mean, I know you might think I am, but I, I'm not one to just be there and be shy. I kind of am one of the guys, you know, right. I just, and that's how I feel. So I think when I, because some men may feel uneasy about it, like, oh, I was a woman in the army. And like, I don't wear a skirt. We wear the same boots you wear, same pants you wear. And, and what I like is the new uh, physical training requirement is gender and age neutral. So we're all doing the same thing. So right. there's none of that. Uh, you know, oh, you're female, you have to do less, which I always tried to do more anyway. Cause right, I, cause I, my whole thing was yeah. I, I'm a little bit competitive. So it's like, if I can beat you in pushups, then maybe you'll have a little bit more respect for me. But I've never, I, every single, like I said, it's a lifestyle. These are your brothers and sisters in arms. They're not, and there's, there, that's obviously, there are exceptions. I'm sure. I have been very lucky that I haven't had to run and into do you think that. it's a mindset too? Like it's just you, because of how you are and how you operate, there's I think so. Like, too. I think, you because, know, and I know that um, people will tell you, oh, well, you know, they have a victim's mindset and, and there may be a persona of a victim and so uh predators will find those people mm. and if you see that that's how like child molesters or right. sexual assault uh, uh people who prey on women things like that they they do look for women or victims who maybe aren't as um, tough or may have that victim persona like weak or kind of unsure of themselves I'm, I'm constantly unsure of myself but i'm not gonna let you know that do you know what i mean like right. my outside persona is like this is who I am, you know, and, and also I think humor kind of breaks it down a little. Right, so I, I've right. learned to be very sarcastic to kind of break the ice right away. Right. Because I, I, in meeting, you know, with, I, I just spent two weeks with, I was the only female. Right. Uh, with all these officers and the first day they were all like, mm, but by the end of it, we're, we're all friends and they're like brothers. You know, I, I would right. kid them like I would my brother and just kind of let them know like, hey, I'm not going to be. Because I think also now with the Me Too movement, they're really concerned about, like, well, I don't want to talk to Nobody her because if I say the wrong thing. Yeah. So I think it's incumbent upon me to put them at ease, like, hey, listen, I'm not I'm not here to, you know, just tell you, oh, women should be in charge of everything. I, I still think that there is a difference between men and women, both intellectually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mm-hmm. There really is. I mean, that, that's why we're different. So, um, but let's let's work on the strengths of each different one right. together. And how can we help? Because we're all, in the, and I think it's a little easier maybe in the Army because we're all on the same team. So let me ask you this as like a reservist, and you just said this about having to kind of being dropped into a situation and you're obviously as a leader now, you have to influence people 
immediately and you maybe don't have the same time to build rapport. Exactly. Or you don't, and is that happen every time or are you associated with now what you just talked about a couple weeks ago will you be working with those people no i'll never see those people again wow see that's yeah. crazy. so how do you is that something they teach you because i think that's a really important skill of especially as a leader to be dropped in or helicoptered in how do you immediately i do influence think, other people y- oh i and i don't think that that's your goal is influencing i think it's more getting along um working uh, to accomplish the mission i mean that's what so you're it's there mission for based. it's mission based and um, that's so interesting just yeah. get along but also you know I, I am also if somebody does do something inappropriate I'm not going to not say anything I will say something I mean right. I'm, I'm pretty in, I, my integrity to me is, right I, I have three three roles my kids know the three L's I don't tolerate lying lateness uh, or laziness so you know those three things I'm going to call you out I, right. I am and I'll try to do it in a nice way but um, if it gets to the point where it's you know affecting everyone else then then I'll take care of it right right but yeah, you just have to be confident in yourself, I think. Uh, and that comes from learning who you are. And right. what for me helps me learn who I am and what I was interested in was being away from my family, from anyone I knew, thousands of miles away in law school. Right. A choice that I made. Right. In this little town in Indiana. Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> right. So I think everyone needs to figure out, and, and maybe that they don't always do that, but figure out who you are. You know, right. be comfortable in your skin. And I think, you know, so there's this whole thing around. In, at least in the corporate space, but I don't bring your authentic self to work. And I have mixed feelings about that because I think being authentic and being genuine about knowing who you are, people sniff that out, right? So I think people react to that. If, 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 if you are, whether it's in a, in, a, like, in a work situation or even personally as you're mm-hmm. building friend groups or whatever that is, people sniff out, like if you aren't authentically right. being genuine. There's also this aspect of, it's okay to have a personal life and it's okay to have things that are private in your personal life that you don't necessarily aren't sharing at work or with your friend. You know, there's, right. there's, there's boundaries I think to oh, this yeah. that are important given that, um, everybody's like capacity to share and be open. So the whole bring your authentic self thing, you know, I think it's a, it's a debatable kind of philosophical topic, but in terms of like what you have to do and, and be dropped in and kind of build that immediate, sort of cohort of people that were bounded together I would imagine there has to be a threat of authenticity well there's in the army in the military it's a little bit different because it's based on rank so so it's and there's al- that already respect that's required of, you know obviously it's presumed it's presumed or that but but you've again, earned it right but again I I think uh, and this is why I'm glad I've done coaching because it's the same as coaching not every single soldier in the unit uh, is going to react the same way they don't not yeah. motivated the same they have different motivations and it's your job in my mind to figure out what it is that motivate like every kid on my soccer team has a different level of yeah. motivation and my job is to figure out what it is that motivates them how to get that going and then how to get all of them motivated together yeah, at the same time you're very good at that so I kind of see that that's that's really what being a leader is 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 yes. finding out what is your job, and my job is to motivate these people to do X. Right. Like in soccer, we are working together as a team to get the ball in the goal. It's not hard. Right. But I have eleven kids on the field, and I got like six on the sideline yelling, "I want to go in! I want to go in!" And I'm focusing on trying to get everyone working together. And and not every kid every kid is at this age. They all have their own personalities. They right. all have their own uh, egos, things like and that. Talent, and right? you ha- like and you talent, and talent. Yeah, not everybody ethic. is like, exactly. So not everybody is equal. So and that's kind of how it is in life. 
it would be great if I could have a bunch of um, Christian Ronaldos. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd just show up. But again, then I wouldn't really have a job because then there right. would be. But that's the thing is figuring out and, and then also figuring out where to put them on the field. Like, what is their strength? Obviously, you know, if you're not you're not a very strong kicker, I don't want you taking these kicks. So, But I'll explain it to you. Hey, let's have Bob do it because maybe he's a little bit stronger. And I want you to receive the ball because, you know, you are better at, right. at receiving and running. Like, so always focus on the positive. Now, there are some kids that, and, and actually adults, I think, that don't react to the positive. And, and I hate that because it's hmm. very uncomfortable for me, but sometimes you have to... Throw the hammer. You have to throw the hammer. And, and I don't... I, well, I don't throw hammers, right. but I... First, I'll start with sarcasm because I think that, like, hey, and but I'm, there's a little bit of truth to every sarcasm. So right. if that doesn't work, then, you know, then we need to get a little, a little more serious. A little more direct. I always joke that both you and your husband are um, the Scott Whisperer, right? Because you both oh. have this ability to sort of motivate him. And I think all my, like, all my kids, like, you guys have been so great with them. But I... I do think it is very similar to being a leader in business in that you have to customize your approach. And I think it's easier when you're not the parent, and I'll tell you why. Because mm. I don't know everything about Scott, right. but I see what I observe, and I know what works. So I may not know the 30 things that are going on in his life right, right. now, but I know that this isn't working, and this is. So that, you know what I'm saying? But with my kids, like I've always, it's hard to coach your own kid yeah. because, A, you don't want to be seen as, oh, you're favoring him. But you also don't want to be seen as like too harsh on him, so it's hard to find that that balance. Although, my youngest will definitely tell me when he thinks I'm not doing a good job, which is helpful. <laughs> Isn't that great I about our him. kids? They yes. really. But but that's no why filter. I think it's easier to be a coach of a kid who's not yours. Right. Uh, same thing with being a boss. That's why you want to be close. That's why there's nepotism. Right. <laughs> well, no, but you also yes, yeah. be, but you also don't want to know too much about their personal life. Because then you're like, well, wait, now my my uh, vision is clouded on what, what motivates you. Or what you Obviously, you care about the person, but you don't need to know everything going on in their lives. Right. You know? So that's another question I have, but I know we don't have a lot of time left. But I am curious about when you t- said the comment before about how men and women are different, right? And we are on all those levels that you mentioned. But I do think, and I, this could be wrong, but just emotionally, we are more tapped in. Right. Generally speaking, not, you know, that's to, true. to like our, I want to say we lead with emotion because I don't think that's no, necessarily but the case. No, but we do consider I, it. And I right. don't think that a lot of times, I've seen this, a lot of times decisions were made and, and I said, well, what did you guys consider X? And they're like, oh, you know, we never thought about that. But I don't think it's more of a female thing per se. Uh, I think it's a nurturing thing, parents, mm. because I noticed that people with kids get it faster than those who don't have children. We have to explain it to them a little here. So I think once you've become responsible for a human being, yeah. I think your outlook on life changes. I know yeah. mine did. Yeah. I, I, I was like, whoa, I'm responsible for this this ball of mush. Right. <laughs> what do I do? Right. So, but I also think now every time I make a decision, like how is this going to impact the third and fourth order effects? You know, their family right. or their, you know. But, and then in terms of that, in, in terms of your military role, how does the emotion play in? Do you, Have you found ways to articulate it so it's not yes. characterized you, as that? You, you've got, even it's it, hard. It's hard saying? because I, you, you want to care a lot about these folks because, again, it's a lifestyle. It's not, sure. a, um, it's not a job. So I have to take all that into consideration because, again, these folks are – this is their lifestyle. This is what they've done. Um, but they also have to understand that I have a responsibility to the Army. 
as well, right. not just to the soldier. So it's 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 a balancing act, and it's probably the same in the corporate world. You have a responsibility to sure. your employees, Correct. but you also there's shareholders and bosses and, and exactly so yes. it's similar in that sense right so you, there's a balance and you know you live and learn and I always tell people I'm not perfect and I will be the first to admit when I make a mistake and I always apologize in advance I like to do like a, a precursor a, apology like I'm, I'm gonna make mistakes right but everybody does and I, I'm not going to do it maliciously or intentionally to hurt you right so and I'll grow from it because I have I've learned from every mistake I've made I've made a lot What would you say if you had to just pick one or two things that being in that environment um, in terms of, you know, for a long period of time now in terms of your career with the military, what are one of the maybe top three or two two or three things that you feel have um, had the greatest impact on your life in terms of Mm. either skills or what they teach you or just because I, you know, I think it's a unique group that not everyone is exposed to right I think uh, for me uh, the first thing is is that you have to believe in yourself mm-hmm. you really do and then you also have to trust your teammates so those two things belief in yourself and trusting others mm. and I know that's always hard to do um, but especially for someone like you who's super independent and like kind of on your right, own right right so, so that- what I did is uh, and I still do this I, I call it um, the observation so when I first get to a new place I, I don't initially come out and you know just here I am here I do am. what I say <laughs> I kind of observe like mm-hmm. who are the who are the people that I think are successful in this unit or this indiv- this location or whatever right and I find out what is it that they're doing like do I should I emulate them you know do they show up early for work every day and stay late I really don't think that's a good idea or do they uh, go around and talk to their folks every day just to see how everybody's doing like what is it that you know it makes them successful either based on their rank their position or whatever Mm -hmm. and and i think that that's the same way with like what is this person doing wrong that makes them such a horrible leader person you know attorney whatever so you've got to kind of look at both those and then there's ever the rest of us in the middle and so then you kind of figure out like okay i don't want to do that and be the bad leader but i also you know i want to emulate this person but on my own schedule and my own because then you don't want to be a copycat. Right. You know, everybody shows right. up dressed the same. Right. <laughs> with their little briefcases, you know. So I think it's a little bit of a give and take in that sense. But I think if you believe in yourself, um, I think it shows through. When you, Like you talked about your genuine self. I mean, I, I don't ever try to pretend that I'm somebody that I'm not. Right. And I think that that helps a lot. Yeah. And um, just to be confident and, and be willing to admit, like, I don't know that, but maybe I'll learn. Or I, I'm sorry, I don't understand this. Can you help me? Be, don't be afraid to say things like that or ask for help. Because there's this perspective, I would think, in the military that, like, you cannot fail, you cannot make mistakes. I suspect that everyone Well, zero mistakes. tolerance, yeah. I mean... So what's the... How do you... Like, I'm a huge believer in that you learn from failure. You and do. You, right? But so there are certain things is, that you cannot fail in. You're right. Right. But um, for those areas... There's enough training. You take a little bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a little bit more serious. But for those areas where there is room for growth, then yes. There's opportunities. Opportunity. And, and in fact, that's that's a, we call them counseling. Right. You know, let's, uh, let's have a little counseling and let's go over. This is, uh, you know, uh, developmental counseling. Right. You, you did this and you probably could have done X a little bit better. But, you know, instead of, you know, George Patton yelling at everybody, slapping them with the gloves, we don't do that. Would you, for your kids, if they wanted to go in the military, would you... 
guys support that and of want course. that for them. Yeah, yeah. and in fact, so, like, it's, it's interesting uh, because only 1% of people in the United States serve yeah. in the military, yeah. and of those people that serve, the majority of those are from military families. So it's kind of like a burden on the same yes, group of people. It is. So I would love, that's why I want to encourage more people to just try it out. I mean, you never yeah. know. There's so many benefits that are associated with yes. it that I think. Well, and it's like culturally, I don't know that there's. Well, some countries like Israel, everybody has yes, to serve. which I mean. And I don't know that that's feasible in a country of 300 million people. But I do think that, and again, not everyone's physically or mentally right, uh, able to serve. But I do think that we need to find a better way to encourage others to do it other than those who have come from a military family because i'll tell you why why would they it's it's a i guess it's a reflection on the military that it was such a positive experience on those kids that they also wanted to do it right and then their kids and so it's been you know the same families providing the same the defense of this nation for years and years right. so it would be great if we could get a, a more diverse group of people serving yeah so all right. Well, that's uh, that's your next task. That's my. All right. I'm on it. <laughs> yes. All right. So before we close, one of the things I like to ask, and you've done it already to some degree, but I am curious when I ask you it directly. Yes. If you, um, knowing what you know now, and oh. you know you've been through a lot, and you've um, not necessarily in the path that you thought, right? So I think, like you said, you've had these twists and turns, but you were open to the signs. That's mm -hmm. another thing that I love about what you've talked about, which is mm -hmm. like knowing yourself. And then once you connect with something, listening to that. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious for you, like if you're giving counsel, you know, to that eighth grade self or, mm -hmm. you know, other times where you had challenges or difficulties or even your successes, like what advice would you give to your younger self? I think uh, for me, it would be like, this will pass. Yeah. You know, because you're in eighth grade, you're yeah. like, oh my God, it's this everything, is my right? life. You know, but um, <laughs> yeah, because then it just, it'll get easier. But, um, and not every day is going to be a bad day. You may have yeah. two bad days in a row, and that's, that's unusual. But um, you just wake up every morning with like, all right, it's a new day. Um, but also, yeah, don't be so set in your ways about what you're going to do. I, I just think kids today, I, I hear some kids like telling me, and the 10th grade kids, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, wow, that, I didn't even... Right. But but I'd like to follow that person. You know, I can't do the research, but I'd love to follow them 10 years from now and see if they did that. And because I've seen a lot of people who, who've stayed on that path, but they're unhappy. But this yeah. is what I've chosen. I'm like, well, you didn't have to do it. You know, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Right. I'm half a right. century old. So, but yeah. I just think, you know, being, being like you said, open to, to changes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you Good. so much. Thank you for listening and thank you, Julie. Thanks so much for being open about your story and for giving us a lot to think about. I thank Julie and all of our service members for all they do to support and protect our country. A special thanks to Missy, the producer on this episode. As a reminder, if you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable on iTunes. If you get a chance, please write a review. We would love to see your comments. Relatable is sponsored by Teresa Freeman Associates. 
You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, and we also have a TFA Facebook page. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable.